in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Subway hero Daniel Penny, he was arrested, right? Yeah, he was arrested. And uh, however, the grand jury has not yet indicted him. It could happen any moment. Um, could it go the other way? Could they actually let him go? Could they actually find no charges? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's very, very unlikely. Then again, you know, New York juries, there are some tough people out there, some common sense people out there who would realize this is a sham case and the guy should never have been put through this. Jordan Neely is the problem. That guy was the problem. Getting on the train, announcing he's going to kill people, kill himself, not afraid to die, all that crazy stuff. And it's um, very. We're very fortunate that Daniel Penny was there, and everyone's like uh, on the edge of the seats. All the uh, all the TV stations right now. Any moment now, we're going to have a word. Let's see, calls uh, the the Jordan Neely family. They want uh, well. They want they want the death penalty. Pretty much. They want this guy in jail forever. Sorry. Hey, it's too bad that you people weren't there. I, by by you people, I mean the Jordan Neely family. You weren't there for Jordan when he was alive. Uh, a lot of people uh, treated him very, very badly uh, throughout his life. Uh, the dad was pretty much out of there. That's kind of a problem you're not supposed to talk about. Happens a lot. Happens a lot. Happens a lot in the African-American community. Sorry, but it does. More so, it happens in every community, but nowhere more than in the African-American community. Um, we've seen the statistics. <clears throat> um, uh, absentee fathers mean greater uh, incarceration, lower high school dropout rates, uh, higher illiteracy. All those problems. It doesn't mean everybody in a single-parent household is going to wind up that way, but the odds are possibly against you, or the odds are it's just more likely than those bad things will happen uh, than if you had a person, a father in your life. And I got that from Barack Obama. You can also look it up. The Department of Justice has those statistics. So does the Department of Labor, Department of Education. Everybody knows that to be true, but shh. It's just those racist white cops. They're the problem, right? Just the white cops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep Keep doing that. Keep wasting everybody's time. And uh, all right. So do we have the word yet? No. But I do have this from Daniel Penny. Well, I'll get to him in a little bit. Let's just see what happens. He put out an amazing video defending himself. And so did President Trump last night, a speech at Bedminster. Um, he had every right to do this. It was, you know, it's amazing. It's uh, He's coming out stronger. He's coming out better. And um, they reveal themselves every time they try something like this. I think it's backfiring massively on uh, Trump's enemies, the federal government, deep state, Joe Biden, you name it. This has blown up in their faces. Cut one. Trump last night in Bedminster, New Jersey. They used to say that the United States, if it keeps going this way, it's going to be Venezuela on steroids. And now we're buying oil from Venezuela. Can you believe it? We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation. But we're buying tar from Venezuela and we're refining it in Houston the dirtiest, worst oil probably anywhere in the world, and we're refining it. So you can imagine what's going up in the air and our beautiful stuff we're not taking out of the ground and making a lot of money and paying off debt. All right, so he's kind of all over the place talking about energy issues, domestic policy, foreign policy, and also this horrible thing that happened to him. Cut two. The prosecutor in the case... I will call it our case, is a thug. I've named him Deranged Jack Smith. I wonder what his name used to be, Jack Smith. It sounds so innocent, doesn't it? Jack Smith. What's his name? Jack Smith. He's a very nice man. 
He's a behind-the-scenes guy, but his record is absolutely atrocious. He does political hit jobs. Hey, come on. That's it? He went on and on and on. You, he talks about the wife. Is that where we played push the cut button? Where's the stuff about his wife? I got to get in here early and cut these things myself. Let's just try cut, cut three. I hope the stuff about the wife is in there. Go ahead. I'm not the one who thinks I'm above the law. I'm the one hey, that followed the law. Seriously, I'm let's the get the stuff one. with the wife. It's Joe Biden. And you know what? I got to tell you something. It's relevant, okay? The independent counsel. This guy is an independent counsel, Jack Smith. And he's married to a woman who does work for Michelle Obama, produces the worst movie ever, Becoming Michelle Obama, has given money to Obama, has given money to Joe Biden, and he's she's married to this guy, married to Jack Smith, John Smith, whatever his name, the prosecutor. And uh, he went after him hard last night. I mean hard. And you know what? He deserves it. A lot of people are like, oh, my goodness gracious, how could he say those things? He really shouldn't be saying those things. Number one, he's totally accurate. Number two, he has every right to. Jack Smith just arrested the guy, and he can't make observations about his lack of impartiality, as evidenced by the wife. <laughs> just independent counsel. That would have been the first thing that comes up. Jack Smith should have said, "I'm sorry, boss. My uh, my wife. She, you know, they're she's pretty tight with Obama. I can't. I can't. I can't really do this." Oh, we understand totally. I guess that's maybe why they. Uh, Maybe why they wanted him. Hmm? Uh, hey, anything else about Keychan Sewell, the police commissioner? Once again, she's um, she's going to be leaving. That will be we'll have five police commissioners in just nine years under de Blasio and Adams. That's less than two years per police commissioner. What turnover, huh? Remember the good old days where you had one police commissioner for how long? 14 years. His name was Ray Kelly. <laughs> Best police commissioner ever. Legend. No one's ever going to catch that record, I guess. I keep hearing, you know what, I'm actually, I, I've heard a lot of good things from the cops about Keychan Sewell. Oh, boy, they love Keychan Sewell. They love Keychan Sewell. To the point that I think that, um, hmm, almost too much, almost too much love for the police commissioner. You gotta, you can't be that beloved and be doing your job. All right. Sometimes you gotta kick a little ass. Sometimes you gotta make people, sometimes you gotta disappoint people. Sometimes you rule a certain way. They don't like it. You can't, it's not a popularity contest is what I'm trying to say. Leading is not a popularity contest. And, um, I think since she was, had no real power, Adams made it clear that he was going to be the police commissioner and his people, they were going to make the decisions. Instead, she just, uh, I think, sucked up to the troops a little bit too much. Uh, cops are important. Their morale is important. But management is management. And sometimes you got to make tough calls that not everybody's going to like, especially in a, let's face it, kind of a paramilitary organization like the NYPD. Um, she may have been ready for this job in a couple of years. She wasn't ready for it now. Adam said, he said out loud, I'm going to pick a woman for this job. He said he, he, he made it clear in his campaign. It's going to be a woman. That is so un-American. It is so foolish to say those kinds of things. I want a black woman for this job. What what, what difference does it make? Didn't we leave all that stuff behind? That is such old world thinking, right? The continents we left behind. Europe, Africa, you know, where it all depended upon your position in society, who you were born to, uh, what caste you were in, what religion you were in. All these things that really had nothing to do with whether or not you could do the job, that determined your place in society. Well, no more. 
Well, I guess actually, yeah, that's the case. Again, it was no more in America for a long time. You'd go as far as you, um, as your ability allowed, your drive. If you didn't have that much ability, hard work could make up for a lack of ability. All kinds of things. America, land of the opportunity. You know how many people are giving up who feel it, who can feel it in the air? That if they don't meet this certain silly criteria that corporate America has at this silly moment in time, that they're out, that they're done, that they have no future, don't let anybody convince you of that. Oh, by the way, I know how it feels. I've been there. But you got to work to overcome it. you got to keep working, working, working. Everybody knows this is insanity. And it's it's... I don't know if it's going to pass or not, but I don't, you don't have to surrender to it. I'm not going to surrender to it. We don't have to surrender to it. Hey, breaking news. Attorney General Garland is, uh, defending Jack Smith. Though these, these swamp guys, they, they're just convinced of how good and righteous they are. That's all they talk about. How, how, how good they are. Can we take this? If you get a chance, let's turn the volume up. It's on MSNBC right now. Mary Garland, yep, sticking up for um, Jack Smith. Jack Smith left the room the other day without taking any questions. Did anybody else notice that? Anyway, when you lose, you win. Donald Trump saw us that. Uh, did you see in the cafe all those people coming around? It was a beautiful thing. And these snobs on the fake news, they got so bent out of shape. Oh, stop that right now. Stop that. We can't listen to that. No. Um, he goes into the cafe. This is Donald Trump. Right after he gets uh, arraigned, he leaves court in a big motorcade, goes to a place called Versailles, the Versailles restaurant. Uh, I've been to Miami, but I've never been to this restaurant. And he goes into this cafe, and everyone's going nuts. They love to see him, and they're just going, they're hooting and hollering, and they love it. And the fake news can't stand it. Listen to what happens on MSNBC. Okay, cut 25. It's a live picture, keep in mind, of Donald Trump the hero of the moment uh, of the year, of the decade, of the millennium, in Versailles Restaurant in Florida, and they can see it all on TV. Listen to what the anchor says. Cut 25. I want to explain the picture on our screen. Trump has gone to really a, a famous um, a place that all Republican candidates, actually probably Democratic candidates, go as well. Um, it's Versailles. It's in Little Havana in the Miami area. Um, he's still a yeah. candidate for president. That's the picture over your um, brilliant words. We don't need to see that anymore. We know where he is. Um, Garrett, what is the... Um, if, if we don't all, need to see that anymore. Anything? They dump the picture so they can look at her silly face with her big granny glasses on trying to look smart. We don't need to see that anymore. We? Who are you speaking for? You and your egghead friends on that stupid panel just because you got a big plastic desk with a big MSNBC logo on it? You think you're special? How, how's that for serving the viewer? It's a hell of a lot more interesting than looking at that big bovine face of yours. I'm sorry, but you do look like you're right out of the Charlie Brown show. You know those big round heads they had? She's got a big round head like that. It's not that she's unattractive. I'm just saying it's a big round head. Uh, let's see. Where's the other one? Uh, the other uh, pompous guy, uh, Jake Tapper, fake Jake Tapper. So a couple of minutes later, he gets the memo. Yeah, we don't have to show Donald Trump. Let's just let's just show us. Let's just be on camera. Cut 26. Let's remember what this case is about. Let's remember what this indictment charges. Again, Donald Trump is charging a, a series of. This guy, this, stop. This guy is talking in the background. This guy's talking about the charges. You, you got to remember, he's on the Jake Tapper show and they're watching. They're watching Trump in the Versailles cafe. All right. And that starts to get on Jake's nerve. Keep going. 
Let's remember what this indictment charges. Again, Donald Trump is charged with a series of federal felonies for mishandling the most sensitive government documents that we have and for obstruction of justice, along with Walt Nauta, who is charged with intentionally setting up lies to the grand jury, to the FBI. Any way you look at this, and again, despite whatever may be going on in that restaurant, this case isn't going to be settled legally in a cafe. It's going to be settled in the court based on the facts and law. The folks in the control room, I don't need to see any more of that. He's trying to turn this in. He's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it already. Uh, let's go over again the 37 charges that Donald Trump is facing. Let's go over it again. And not that we haven't gone over it 17 times since last Friday. Okay, these charges have been out for a while. Okay, right. No, let's not see new live pictures of President Trump in a cafe, uh, kind of lighting up the political world, being embraced by his followers, showing that his followers, his supporters are not abandoning him. It's great television. No, let's just uh, get rid of that and uh, talk about uh, this document. Let's talk about this document. You heard the guy there. He he gave away our most precious secrets. No, he did not. All right? No, he did not. I want you all to know something. Anybody, anytime anybody says that, they've probably never handled or seen a classified document in their life. And if they have, they're lying about the whole situation down there. Three big things. I want you to remember this, okay? This is from 2006. April, New York Times, uh, President Bush leaks, leaks classified documents, and it shocks nobody, that President Bush authorized an aide to disclose classified intelligence on Iraqi weapons comes as no shock to official Washington. That's the lead. Second part, the leaking of secrets has long been a favored tool of policy debate, political combat, and diplomatic one-upsmanship. This is in the New York Times, April 2006, 17 years ago. This is understood. This is the way the game is played. One more time, the leaking of secrets has long been a favored tool of policy debate, political combat, and diplomatic one-upsmanship. We've had leaking of this kind since the administration of George Washington. And quite frankly, it's necessary to democracy. Think about that. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, not to belabor the point, but we got the good stuff of Trump going off on the uh, prosecutor's wife. I love this stuff, and it's totally, totally, totally relevant may not be the nicest thing in the world, but uh, they started it. They started it, and it raises really important questions about this guy's uh, mentality, his fairness, his approach to the whole damn thing. And if you really had to appoint a special counsel, independent counsel, I'm not exactly sure which one it is, and there is a difference. Um, I believe he's a special counsel, and he ultimately does report to the attorney general. An independent counsel actually has no um, obligation to tell the attorney general anything. This guy does that the attorney general could not find a a special counsel who did not have a wife who was doing business with Michelle Obama tells you something about Merrick Garland, right? He is a creep, just like like they've been telling us, just like Mark Mark Levin has had this guy's number from the very, very, very beginning. All right, Trump on, uh, on the whole situation with Jack and his wife. He's a raging and uncontrolled Trump hater, as is his wife, who also happened to be the producer of that Michelle... Obama puff piece. It was total puff piece. This is the guy I've got. He's a raging and... 
Now, how could you cut that out of the original soundbite? <laughs> why, why would anybody do that? Why would, like, oh, that's a little bit too much. We, we can't have that on our air. I'm hearing that all the time, by the way, the news. They say, oh, yeah, you just, we just play that. We can't have, we can't show President Trump doing that. No, we're, we're, that, we're fact checking that. How the hell do you know what the facts are? How do you know what the facts are? Uh, Rachel Maddow, Maddow, whatever, said that they could not carry the speech last night because it was full of lies. Well, how does she know? She has already judged that the indictment is completely valid. I mean, in America, right, you do have an adversarial justice system. Adversarial. The state makes its case. A defendant is allowed to make its, his or her case. Until recently. Until Trump came along, right? You can't, what? How could they say that? And Oh, this is not news. What do you mean it's not news? It's brand new. He's speaking. That's news. It is the essence of news, and it's interesting, and it's captivating, and we want to see it, and uh, oh, well. Um, they will never learn. They will never learn. What else is happening? Uh, my nutrition is a mixed bag. What are we going to do about the candy down the hall here? I have not had now and laters since I was in seventh grade. I have now had two packs of now and laters, and it's it's one thirty in the afternoon. I mean, who buys that stuff? Who's in charge of it? Why do we have now and laters down there and gobstoppers? I haven't had gobstoppers since I was in fifth grade, and it's an annoying candy. Oh, by the way, you can't, uh, you know, it's not designed to be. You can't chew it, but you want to chew it, and you feel like your teeth are going to shatter. It's a dangerous candy. Swedish fish, I like, but why do we have a tub? Of that stuff down there. Not that I'm complaining. I'm not at all complaining. Some of us can't help ourselves around this stuff. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Do you know? All right. Um, with that, you got to understand this. Every time, every time they open their mouths about Trump, they are lying. And totally and completely about the document case. Everything they told us is a lie. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, um, Eric Adams, um, I know there, I know some people who actually, you know, they have business, um, big business interests and that kind of thing, and they got to stay on good terms with City Hall, no matter who the mayor is. And, you know, it's kind of like, it was like Trump's approach for a long time, you know? He had to get along with Democrats and Republicans. I understand that, especially if you got a vast uh, real estate empire like Trump or whatever. You got to be on good terms with City Hall. But then there are a lot of other people in New York, especially, and I call them groupies. They're starstruck. They just like being around famous people or people they perceive to be famous and important. Ooh, Eric Adams is famous and important. I'm going to be his friend. I'm going to hang out with Eric Adams. Yeah, I, I see this all the time. I know a lot of people like this. Ooh, Eric isn't that bad. Really? <laughs> First of all, how would you know that? Huh? Well, we went out to dinner, and it was very nice. Yeah, no kidding. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> he's a corrupt bum, and I told you guys about that in 2021. I was the only one. I was telling you <laughs> that he was a narcissistic fool who knows nothing, um, totally self-absorbed, ignorant, uh, dumb, and more dangerously than anything, doesn't realize how dumb he is. It's one thing if you know your limitations. A man's got to know his limitations, right? But anyway, if you want to hang out with Eric Adams, I guess it's a free country. You can hang out with Eric Adams. Although I wonder what he is getting out of you. 
You ever thought of that? Why does why does he want you around if you're hanging around with Eric Adams? Um, and I do want to address this as well. Um, somebody called my daughter fat yesterday. Yes, I put a beautiful picture up. And you know, social media, I love it. I love social media. I love it. I love arguing with people. I love the give and take. I love the my critics. They're my some of them are so funny and so smart and so insightful and so interesting and so I mean I just I I it literally tickles me. I mean it's not like I'm laughing at them. I mean I'm laughing with them. I mean even when they make fun of me, I find it hysterical. Um and however, I put a picture up <clears throat> of my daughter at the dentist. And she looked a little bit uh you know, she said she's a baby for crying out loud. She's got baby fat. And this guy was out there saying she's fat, she's this, she's that. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I like to think of myself as a nonviolent person. However, I was contemplating all kinds of things in my head to do to this person. I really just, it came and went quickly. Um, not as quickly as, as I would have liked my, my impulses to, uh, to do something to this person, but, um, yeah, I can understand. I can understand. Everybody's got their red lines, and I guess that's my red line, right? And it should be everybody's red line. You know? I go up on Jack Smith. I go on ja- up on Jack Smith's, uh, wife because of her political allegiances, but I'm not going to go off on Jack Smith's, uh, mother or daughter if he has any kids. Those things are, are, are more or less off limits, right? Until and unless. Someone chooses to make a literal federal case out of the children, as Joe Biden did with his daughter, Ashley. I noticed that we have Juneteenth. There was a big Juneteenth celebration. If the caller can uh, dial in and let me know what the hell Juneteenth is, and you get it right, you get it accurate, there will be a prize. There will be a prize. Nobody knows what Juneteenth is. Nobody cares what Juneteenth is. Um, it's a ludicrous holiday. It's uh, not supposed to be a holiday. It was, do you know why we have it? Because they tried to embarrass Trump. That's it. That's it. Because Trump had a rally scheduled for some day in June, which somebody claimed was Juneteenth. And, uh, you gotta cancel it. You gotta cancel it. And so many people lied about that. Nobody knew when Juneteenth was. But some wise ass figured out, oh, wait, we can, we can screw with Trump politically. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where something else uh, happened apparently, uh, a hundred million years ago. And we're going to make a big deal out of this, and we're going to try to portray Trump as a racist. My God, they lied so much about him. Um, and it's true. He is the least racist person I think I've ever encountered. It's true. I um, There's something very, very unique about him in the best possible way when it comes to a lot of things, including race. You know, some people say I'm colorblind or, you know, that's apparently offensive now. I, I literally think he's kind of in a weird way colorblind. I mean, I know he can see color and he knows if it's a black person or a white person, but more than anyone else, I, I don't think it makes one lick of of difference. Not 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 anything. Ernest in Rockland County, yes. Sir, thank you for your service. You're you're a great gentleman and wonderful wonderful personality. I just wanted to say that right now Donald Trump's lawyers should be met should be mounting a counter attack on this on him. And what is that? You can check it in any single state. What they're doing to him is something called false public alarm. Somebody made a report, a call, something. 
and there is no basis, that's a felony. Jack Smith should be arrested. Merrick Garland should be arrested. Anybody that goes after Mr. Trump, because he is three things. Honest, trustworthy, and reliable. Well, I mean, you're, I mean, I mean, this is not illegal. I mean, false public alarm. Is that a federal law? Is it a state law? What does it actually say? I mean, does it, that probably means something about pulling a fire alarm. I mean, what do you mean by that? How does that actually work? Prosecutors are, I, look, this is a corrupt indictment. No, no doubt about it, but false public alarm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not for stretching the law. I don't, I don't like it when they do it, and I don't want to do it to them either. I don't, and that sounds like a bit of a stretch. How, how, define it, break it down. Okay, sir. When someone makes a report of a catastrophe, an emergency, there's set, there's four items there in that false public alarm, and it's in every single state in Florida as well. So, false public alarm says states provides that. When somebody makes a report of a catastrophe, a dilemma, or an emergency. I mean, look, this is a corrupt thing, absolutely. But the National Archives, according to the uh, timeline, according to the uh, the narrative, is uh, they called the FBI. And they didn't say there was a catastrophe. They, they, they said, we want this stuff back. I mean, I think they're, you're talking about two separate things. I think you're talking about, like, hey, there's an earthquake down the street, or there's this, or there's that. It doesn't really hold up. It's not convincing me. I, yeah, it is false, but I don't think you can arrest him for this. Or maybe you could. I don't know. Not on that specific thing, but uh, dereliction of duty, maybe. Um, uh, I don't know. This is not resonating for whatever reason. But I, um, anything else going on? Yes, sir. When when he makes that counterattack, yeah. If he makes if he makes that counterattack, he has proof of cause. Why you're saying they want the records back? Hey, Ernest, uh, take- I know, I know. Look, I, I I just don't understand the. I I don't know. I don't I don't think this is working. Are you a lawyer, by the way? Not that it matters. I mean, uh, you you don't have to be a lawyer to know stuff. But are you, S- sir? I studied constitutional law for over forty years. So, Copyright, trademark. Are you and patent. A, are you a lawyer? No, sir. I'm not. All right. Well, I don't know. This sounds a little bit. This sounds like a stretch. And I hear all the time that we should go after them the way they go after us. Um, I don't want to break the law. I don't want to stretch the law. I don't want to use the law for political purposes. Um, and I th- feel like that's a little bit what you're doing here. But I like it, Ernest. I do like it. And uh, thank you very much. Let's go to uh, Sandra. Greg, you know, the first thing I wanted to say that your daughter in the chair at the dentist, it warmed my heart. She's so adorable. And that whoever said that is Adam is sick. And I love that picture. And I can't wait to see one of Annalise and Madeline together. That's the next picture I hope to see. But I love that picture. She's tough. It looked like she doesn't take bull from anybody. I, I love that. Yeah, picture. I know. That well, yeah, she's three. She's a little apprehensive in the chair. And some people were giving me a hard time. They said, look, she's only three. Why are you taking your kid to, you know, have her teeth whitened? And I was like, come on. I mean, you know, looks are, you know, looks are important. You got to have, you know, you got to, you got to focus on that stuff, uh, throughout your life. So why not get started when you're three, you know? Right. But anyway, (laughs) she wasn't getting, she wasn't getting her teeth whitened. I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, thank you for that. Wasn't that a great picture? Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Kind of apprehensive, appropriately apprehensive. You know, people are supposed to be apprehensive at the dentist a little bit. Anything else going on? Yes, I wanted to say a few things, if you give me. I wanted to first say we ought to keep an eye on Judge Cannon. Her, her name is um, Aileen Cannon. She was um, previously, she was picked from Trump previously. 
And um, initially, she did something in Trump's day, but she wanted to have a master. Yeah, special master. Right. Right. Review all those documents. And then, of course, the DOJ said no. And then in the end, they had like the... um, the uh, the appeals court and they and they ruled it out. So now she's going forward, and I'm hopeful that maybe she will be consistently in the right way for Donald Trump. But I'm also worried that maybe they're going to try to uh, upset her and make her. I don't know. You know. Don't worry saying, right? so much. Everything's going to be beautiful. Okay. Don't worry okay, so say, much. What? All right. I wanted to say two things. I love Joel Olsen. He said something that I wanted to share. Remember how I said we're all like hamsters with the wheel? He says, when you rest, God goes to work, cast the cares, and the universe goes to work. Then another thing I found that you might like. Well, I want to jump in right now because I love Joel Osteen, all right? And uh, a lot of people are, um, I love Joel Osteen. He got me started in this in many ways. And he says something very important. you got to honor God, all right, as long as you're doing your part and honoring God. And some people miss that part. And we all have work to do. We all have to obey. We all have to, you know what we got to work on. And uh, some of us, you know, we uh, we try to get close to God, but we're not going to give up this, that, and the other thing because, well, we really like that stuff, you know. And uh, you know what it is in your life. I'm not talking to you, Sandra, that you've got to give up that's holding you back. Your little, uh, what do they sometimes call it, a guilty pleasure? This doesn't hurt anybody. I'm just going to do this little thing. No big deal. Why not? It doesn't hurt anybody. Well, God doesn't want you to do it. You know you shouldn't be doing it. It's not for your ultimate good. It's not for probably if somebody else is involved. It's not for them either, their ultimate good. So, um, yeah, the universe can get to work. Uh, the universe, God gets to work for you and can take care of your enemies as well. But sometimes uh, some folks miss all that stuff in the Joel Osteen. Um, and I love Joel. I love him. I think he's great. I go to his, uh, whenever he's at NJ Pack or Yankee Stadium, I go. I read his books. But, and I, even I miss it for a while. You know, that honoring God, as long as you are honoring God. I'd like to start with something a little bit funny. And then he ends with, but as long as you're doing your part and honoring God, it's um, it's a big part of the equation, Sandra. We can't forget that. All right, what's the what, what's the last thing? Okay, this comes from the Bible. The Bible quotes that leadership, Joshua one nine, be courageous and strong. It's the, it is tempting to think of a servant as timid, quiet, and unassertive. Do you like that? I like it all. It's perfect. It's the Bible. What's not to like? So I got I so I saw that and then I wanted to say for myself. All right, Sandra, I gotta go. Well, all right, I'm sorry. Oh, you got a lot of going. Yeah, <laughs> one, two, three, four, and I am up against a break. All right, I'll see you later. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, every time Joe Biden is asked about accepting bribes from foreign powers, he chuckles. He giggles. Uh, what would a body language uh, expert or psychologist say about that? That's something very odd, an odd little tick. What do you say? <laughs> oh, God love you. Uh, I mean, uh, it's not exactly a denial. I mean, when he says it's a bunch of malarkey, um, is that that's not much of a denial either. And it looks like the FBI just might, not confirmed yet, we don't know, but there are serious indications that they have audio tapes, 17 of them, 
of Joe Biden uh, on the phone with some Ukrainian big shot, <laughs> and they're talking about money for favors, then it would make total and complete sense. That would make total and complete sense. Why the swamp is so defensive of uh, of Joe Biden is because so many people have done this kind of stuff. What do they used to call it back in Tammany Hall days, like a legal graft or acceptable graft? I think they somehow have kind of deluded themselves into thinking that this is okay. It's not. It's not okay, actually, for somebody to be in politics for 50 years. 50 years on a government salary, yet he's a rich man. He's a very rich man with property all over the place. And he was into this stuff. He had a taste for the finer things as a young man, even before he got into politics. You can look it up. It was all a fantasy. It was all a great big fantasy he had in his head. That he was going to be big and powerful and important and rich and famous. Nothing about public service. It's all about serving Joe. You know, everybody has gone through tough stuff, right? Everybody has lost a loved one. Everyone's been sick. Everybody, right? But real adversity, I mean, real adversity, people know what real adversity is. Getting fired, um, being accused, being arrested, you know, the more Trump goes through this stuff, the more people can relate to him. You know, he's had some spectacular highs, but he's had some spectacular lows as well. He went bankrupt in the 90s. He acknowledged it in The uh, in the Apprentice. He's like, I had a tough time in the 90s, but now I'm back. And we can appreciate that. You look at Joe Biden's life from the age of 29, just getting elected and reelected and reelected in that dinky little state that's smaller than Suffolk County. Delaware is smaller than Suffolk County with fewer people. That's that's and he never won an election outside of uh, Delaware on his own until beating Donald Trump until he got 84 million votes. I'm very, very, very skeptical about that. The basement dweller beat legitimately, honestly. The greatest political force this country has seen in a century, at least. I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. The other thing I'm going to talk about tonight, you see politicians all the time. I will fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. We will not rest until this is done. We will fight, fight, fight. Hillary had that dopey song. This is my fight song. And I got a lot of fight left in me right right up until she lost. They all love to talk about fighting, but they really are talking about fighting for themselves. Because what is politics? It's doing favors, asking for favors, asking for money. Doing favors, asking for favors, asking for money. That's what 95% of it is. And oh, by the way, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, uh, yeah, let's see if we can pass something for the people. It's the last thing on their minds most of the time. It's a game. And Trump was naive in, in a lot of ways that outsiders are. Like they, they somehow think that it's about the people. It's about getting things done for others. No. It's their sick little game, and they own it, and they want it the same way, and they don't like outsiders, and they want to expel them, and they love the system more than they love us. And the system, I'm not talking about our beautiful Constitution. I'm talking about the pay-to-play, the lobbying, the, the, the crap that goes on down there, friends and family running your campaign. Valerie Biden, Joe's sister, has run every campaign he has had since 1972. Why? Because she's good at politics? No, because she's related to him, and it's a way that she can get paid and give money to Joe. 
Simple as that. That's she can get paid a lot of money and give it to. They were doing that scam all the way until 2008. Then they had a lot of eyeballs on them, and they said, "Okay, we got to cut the crap here. <laughs> this is getting serious. Uh, people are actually starting to pay attention." Joe's running for vice president now. We can't have Valerie Biden running the show. Valerie, you ever gotten a load of her? Uh, let's try Christine. Welcome back. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Well, today being Flag Day happened to be a Connecticut State Board of Education meeting in Hartford. And I went up there to um, tell those uh, folks who are indoctrinating our kids to knock it off with uh, displaying the pride flag on government property and to stop showing pride videos without parental consent. And we have a school, Greg, in Granby, Connecticut, a small town 20 minutes northwest of Hartford that sent eight-year-old boys home with these puberty kits containing panty liners and maxi pads. I had to tell them that no one born male could ever get pregnant, have periods, or have any use for feminine products. But yet this is education in Connecticut and probably here in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, all over the our blue states, Craig. Man, it's totally sick and weird, and I'm so glad you're in the thick of it all. Once again, Christine happens to be transgender herself, uh, made the decision uh, much later in life. I think you were about 50 or so, and uh, and you know that this is dangerous and uh, bad for children, and it should have no... It's crazy. So glad you're out there. I just don't want to get you... I don't want to see you get punched in the face. You ever worry about your physical safety? At a Pride event when I wore a Let's go Brandon shirt. A couple of weeks ago, I got people yelling at me. I thought something bad was going to happen. But then I, I walked away and, and there were police there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, be careful. Be careful. I mean, you know what? Some of these people are really egging for a fight. And they'd love to just punch you out, right? I mean, so be careful out there. I love it that you're active. I love it that you're trying to protect kids. But I would hate for something bad to happen to you in one of these things, okay? Because everyone seems to be spoiling for a fight. All right. I will. I'll be careful. Please, please, please. Thank you, Christine. We need you. We need you long term. And, um, yeah, I got somebody on the show tonight, uh, who's really upset, happens to be gay and that the, um, the pride movement has become so oppressive. You know, believe it or not, there's more to gay people than, uh, their sexuality. And they you know, I mean, the people are individuals. I, do they realize that about gay people? That not all gay people, there's no such thing as a gay community. Is there a straight community? Um, some of the people I've had the worst possible experiences with professionally have been white, straight men. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't all look out for each other. And quite frankly, you know, neither the gay people. It's dog eat dog. Too much, unfortunately. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, um, transgender children are so far outside of the scope of the president's responsibilities and duties. Transgender youth and sports. Read the Constitution. Just read it. Do you think the founding fathers had any dream that transgender youth would be consuming the time of the president his staff, that they would come up with an agenda to foist this issue upon other children. But that's where we are. And a remarkable moment yesterday in the, in the briefing room, this Corrine Jean-Pierre, who everybody kind of at this point feels a little bit sorry for. She's really, really bad. 
Uh, but she happens to be a black gay immigrant woman. She is a black gay immigrant woman. And, you know, that makes her better than you and me if you happen to be just an ordinary, I don't know, white person who was born in America. Somehow, and, and, and maybe maybe you are straight. Maybe you're heterosexual. Wow, that black gay immigrant woman sure has it over you. And by the way, she said this stuff out loud. She can't stop talking about her sexuality on television. Almost like she's looking for a date. And I, I, I'm actually told that it makes some people uncomfortable. You know? I, it, I can understand that. You know, is she, and I remember, quite frankly, uh, she was hugging Jen Psaki in a very inappropriate manner in the briefing room. They were like canoodling at one point. Uh, what do they say? Get a room, that kind of thing. But anyway, here she is uh, being asked some pretty logical questions by a reporter. And listen to where she takes it. Go ahead, please. Go. Just hours ago, Senator Tuberville tweeted, quote, having biological males in women's sports is unsafe, unfair, and wrong. And earlier this year, several 72 elite female athletes signed an open letter saying forcing female athletes to compete against biological males is not only unfair, it is discriminatory and illegal. So in the light of this administration's proposed changes to Title IX, does the White House worry about the physical safety of females directly competing against males in sports? So look, this is a complicated issue. It is. And uh, there are a wide range of views, as you just laid out. Uh, the Department of Education proposed a rule uh, that gives schools the flexibility to establish their own athletic uh, policies while establishing guardrails to prevent discrimination against transgender kids. Uh, and so I also want to make clear that this is a proposed rule, and members of the public have the ability uh, to provide comment as part of the rulemaking process. And so any, you know, any additional questions that you may have of this proposed rule, certainly I would refer you to the Department of Education, but we do understand this is a complicated uh, issue. And what would the president say to parents out there who have daughters, uh, let's say in high school, for example, who are worried that their daughter may have to compete against a male, a, a, a person born male, and, they, and there could be directly in physical athletic competition and worry about their daughter's safety? Uh, I'm, what you're alluding to is basically saying that transgender kids are dangerous. It sounds like that's what you're saying. I, I, I didn't say that. I, I didn't say that. No, I, that's... It's a strictly a safety question. It's a strictly a safety question. But you're 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 laying out a broad kind of broad example or explanation of what could potentially happen. A broad a broad example explain. That is dangerous. That is a dangerous <laughs> thing to say. That essentially transgender kids we're talking about are dangerous. And so that's something that I have to call out. And that is that is that is that is irresponsible. I had just wow. laid out how complicated this issue is. I just laid out why it's complicated. And so anything that you have, any additional questions, I refer you to the Department of Education. I'm going to move on. Oh, I'm going to move on. It touches close to home somehow. That's how she wants you to feel because she is, after all, LGBTQ. It's dangerous, uh, dangerous to ask the question. I think it's dangerous to put biological males with biological girls, biological boys with biological girls in the biological Boys are masquerading as girls. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. And it's also just bad sportsmanship for biological boys to become uh, so-called girls and join the girls' team and beat them at sports. That's I don't know if that's dangerous, but that's wicked. 
and absurd. And it's a passion of Joe Biden's and that crazy uh, green Jean-Pierre, who, by the way, is from Hempstead, Long Island. I don't know where she's from before Hempstead, because she is, after all, a black gay immigrant woman. And she claims that Donald Trump hates everything that she is. And what is that? A black gay immigrant woman. <laughs> I just, you ever see my Newsmax show? And then I've shown 50 pictures of Trump with various black gay immigrant women. <laughs> he loves black gay immigrant women. Um, who doesn't? I mean, in certain contexts, whatever. It doesn't. I mean, anyway. Did you see in the Wall Street Journal the drone attacking that one Ukrainian soldier? And get this, the Ukrainian soldier surrendered to the drone. It's an amazing story in the Wall Street Journal today. So this guy, this this soldier who has been, um, he was drafted, drafted into the Ukraine. He ran a liquor store. And two days later, he's in Ukraine, never fired a gun before, and he's a troop. He's he's in the war. And he's uh, 30 years old. He's married. He's got a, a four-year-old daughter at home. He doesn't know anything about being in the military, and um, they start getting bombarded, sustained mortar bombardment from the Ukrainians, and they're in trenches. Uh, the people he's with are all killed, decimated, torn apart. One guy is so freaked out and injured, he takes a grenade and purposely you know, pulls the pin and then holds the grenade right next to his head so he would you know, blast his head off, kill himself. And he's alone, and he's in this trench, and these drones are coming over, that the Ukrainians are flying, and they're actually dropping bombs into the trench. These drones are pretty amazing things, man, and they've now rigged them so that they can drop bombs. These little mini drones that you can buy at Best Buy. So there's one guy, and I'm watching the video of it. He's in the trench, and he's waving. He's waving, don't shoot, and then they kind of establish a signaling system. Yes, no. The drone comes back to the Ukrainian side, and they put a note in it. And it says, if you're serious about surrendering, you know, do this with your hands and then follow the drone. And he did. Anyway, now he's a prisoner of war, a Russian prisoner of war in Ukraine. He's probably afraid to go back to Russia because, well, it's in the eye of the beholder. I mean, you know, sometimes you're supposed to fight until the very end, the bitter end, no matter what. But he joined the military with no training. Three days later, he's in the he's in trench warfare. This is not a professional warrior. This is some guy. I hope if he's released to the Russians, the Russians go easy on him. And that, that really bothered me. I mean, gosh, he's running a liquor store one day, and a couple of days later he's in uh, Ukraine, and I just watched a bomb go off right next to him. He survives it. It's unbelievable. War. War is a horrible thing. It's to be avoided. Sometimes it has to be fought. It absolutely has to be fought, but as usually is a last resort. And most people who haven't fought in war or haven't served in the military think that it's something that, um, you know, is easy, quick, surgical, precise. It's not. It's messy and it's ugly and awful things happen all the time. And, um, I hope you never have to go through it. I hope we as a country never have to go through it. Gordon Chang gives me nightmares. My God. You ever hear Gordon Chang on John Katzenmatidi's show? He's uh, he's great. He knows his stuff. Uh, he lived in China for 20 years. He thinks we are on the very cusp of war with China. And then they may have sent in all kinds of, uh, you know, all the Chinese people who are coming across the border, the southern border. Now, what the hell would you, how, why would you be coming through Mexico if you're coming from China? 
to get into America. Well, maybe if you're a Chinese saboteur and you want to destroy uh, American infrastructure. That's what Gordon thinks. And I believe Gordon. We got to be ready. I, are you storing up water and food? Are you ready? I'm serious. The lights could go out at any second. You got to be ready. I'm, I'm uh, preparing myself. My wife doesn't think it's the best idea in the world, but uh, I'm the head of the household and uh, I've been bringing water in. <laughs> uh, she thinks it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, we'll see how she feels once the apocalypse comes and uh, we're we're not thirsty. Have you heard of President uh, Trump and the Clinton and the sock drawer? You know, Clinton, this is a very important case. And the Wall Street Journal again, you know, they're kind of woke. Well, they're, they're not woke. What are they? They're anti-Trump. They can't stand Trump. They're Republican, but they can't stand Trump. But every now and then they throw him a bone, but basically they really want him to go away. They're establishment. They're Paul Ryan. They're the Murdochs. They're the uh, the Mitt Romney. And um, and also they own the New York Post, the Murdochs. So anyway, there's this. Listen, Trump's boxes and Clinton's socks drawer. A president chooses what records to return or keep, and the National Archives can't do anything about it. Although the indictment against Donald Trump doesn't cite the Presidential Records Act, the charges are predicated on the law. The indictment came only came about only because the government thought Mr. Trump took records that didn't belong to him, and the government raided his house to find any such records. This should never have happened. The Presidential Records Act allows the president to decide what records to return and what records to keep at the end of his presidency. And the National Archives and Records Administration can't do anything about it. I know because I'm the lawyer who lost the Clinton sock drawer case. In 2009, historian Taylor Branch published The Clinton Tapes, Wrestling History with the President. The book is based on recollections of Mr. Brand's 79 meetings with Bill Clinton, blah, 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 over eight years. Um, anyway, they, they created a bunch of records. And the National Archives thought that that was presidential material, and Bill Clinton thought it was his material. And it was ultimately, uh, it ultimately went to court. Um, the White House made these audio tapes. It was their material. So it was like government stuff, government microphones that created these tapes. So the National Archives was convinced it was theirs. So Judicial Watch, and they wanted this to see this stuff. Judicial Watch sent a Freedom of Information Act request to NARA, the National Archives, for the audio tapes. The agency responded that the tapes were Mr. Clinton's personal records and therefore not subject to Presidential Records Act or the Freedom of Information Act. We sued in federal court and asked the judge to declare the audio tapes to be presidential records. And because they weren't currently in NARA's possession, compel the government to get them. In defending the National Archives, see the Justice Department works with the National Archives, argued that NARA does not have a duty to engage in a never-ending search for potential presidential records that were not provided to NARA by the president at the end of his term. Nor, the department asserted, does the Presidential Records Act require NARA to appropriate potential presidential records forcibly. The government's position was that Congress had decided that the president and the president alone decides what is a presidential record and what isn't. He may take with him whatever records he chooses at the end of his term. And Judge Amy Berman Jackson Jackson agreed. Since the president is completely entrusted with the management and even the disposal of presidential records during his time in office, she held, 
it would be difficult for this court to conclude that Congress intended that he would have less authority to do what he pleases with what he considered to be his personal records. Judge Jackson added that the Presidential Records Act contains no provision obligating or even permitting the archivist to assume control over records that the president categorized and filed separately as personal records. At the conclusion of the president's term, the archivist only assumes responsibility for the presidential records. PRA does not confer any mandatory or even discretionary authority on the archivist to classify records. Under the statute, this responsibility is left solely to the president. Excellent piece by Mr. Bakesha, senior attorney at Judicial Watch. You ever wish you went to law school? You know, you can go to law school part-time. It takes four years. Full-time, it takes three years. But a lot of lawyers out there say that third year is uh, makes no difference. You don't really need the third year. You can do it in two. Um. And actually, here's something else. You can take the bar exam in many states without going to law school. I think Virginia is one of those states. What you do is they call it reading the law. You hang around a law firm. You get a job at a law firm as a paralegal, and uh, you pick up what you can pick up, and you're eligible to take the bar exam. And some people pass and become lawyers without ever having gone to law school. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This day will go down in infamy and Joe Biden will forever be remembered as not only the most corrupt president in the history of our country, but perhaps even more importantly, the president who together with a band of his closest thugs, misfits and Marxists tried to destroy American democracy. But they will fail, and we will win bigger and better than ever before. I love it. I absolutely love it. Meanwhile, where are the rhinos right about now? The rhinos. Nikki Haley, rhino. You know, I'm not that, I'm not really crazy about Republicans either, oh, by the way. You know, so Republican in name only. Like, oh, you should be a Republican for real. I don't really care for Republicans, but I like the term rhino. And, uh, it explains a lot here. I mean, I, I'm MAGA. I'm not, I'm not a Republican. I'm, I'm MAGA. And quite frankly, I think the MAGA agenda, if you really look at it, Democrats should embrace it as well. Democrats who love America and love freedom should definitely embrace MAGA. There's so much to embrace there. But, uh, how about you, Nikki Haley? How do you feel about all this? Cut 14. First of all, I had a great relation, working relationship with President Trump, and, you know, what's happening is unfortunate. I think the Justice Department has handled this whole thing terribly. I mean, you can't have one standard for Democrats like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and then another standard for Republicans like Donald Trump. And we're seeing that again, and we're seeing that again with the Biden robbery um, recordings that, that have come to light. I mean, the country should never stand for that, and I think that we should all speak up and we have to be loud about that. Having said that, if the claims in the indictment are true, if they're true, then Trump was incredibly reckless with our national security, and that's not okay. So now if you've got the question of a pardon, I mean, that's a very different question. I'm not going to presume President Trump's guilt. I think we all need to let this trial play out. We need to see, you know, exactly what happened. Rhino! Total rhino, and she's totally wrong, oh, by the way. Not reckless. Actually... His handling of the classified material uh, was standard. 
totally standard. You know, Nikki Haley, South Carolina, a governor, I know she became the U.N. ambassador, and she would have seen some classified stuff, but people who don't know anything, like Nikki Haley, and they're suddenly on the international stage, you know what they are? They're captive to the staff. They don't know anything, so they, they have these people around them, and they really run the show. They're in charge. You either run the department or the department runs you. Well, the department was running Nikki Haley. And I'm sure they were playing all kinds of, oh, this is, this is secret. This is, ooh, 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 this mystique about this stuff. Donald Trump did not share it with the Chinese. He did not share it with the Russians. Okay. You know what he apparently did? At one point, he summarized it to a reporter, to a writer. Like every president since George Washington at some point. There are times when you leak, when you do leak, it happens and you're allowed. And especially, look, if you are, um, you can just look it up. I'm telling you, he, he showed it to a political ally and he showed it to a writer. Okay. That's what, uh, they do all the time. It's no biggie. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Oh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, um, it disappoints me very much that John Kelly, you know, he is former Marine General, became the uh, chief of staff to President Trump, um, also Homeland Security Secretary for a while. And he's turned on Trump in a big way. He hated him for a long time. Talked bad about him while he was chief of staff, which I thought was incredibly disloyal. And loyalty is one of the 14 leadership traits in the United States Marine Corps. There are 14 leadership traits, and one of them is, uh, is loyalty. Maria is, you know, carrying on. I am the ultimate Marine, four star Marine. And he's so openly disloyal, openly disloyal while he was chief of staff. And it reminds me, I mean, I'm looking at John Kelly right now. And he's a very good-looking guy. You know, he looks like a general. He looks the part, right? And I got to tell you, in the Marine Corps, in the Army, in the military, more the Marine Corps, quite frankly, unfortunately, not always, but a lot, it's not about what you do. It's about what you look like when you're doing it. Oh, that guy looks really squared away. He must be squared away. Sometimes I felt like that was 90% of it, what you look like, the demeanor. Um, I will say this. uh those 14 leadership traits, one of them is bearing, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, bearing, your comportment. And there is something to be said for that. You know, uh, all hell is go, all hell is going on around you. Everything's blowing up. You don't want to look frazzled and weird as well. You know where this really helped me? Uh, when I was in the invasion of Iraq as a journalist, there were some of the people, some of the journalists who grew long beards and, you know, we were in war and it looked like they were in war. And I remember from the Marine Corps, you know, you don't want to, you may be in war, but you don't want to look like a savage. So I'd wash my face, I'd shave, I'd groom. There's time for that stuff. There always actually is in war. I mean, you, you can, you can find time and you got to take care of yourself. Anyway, he looks great, sounds great, but he was incredibly naive. 
And unfortunately, so many Marine officers, well, if they're not careful, they'll find themselves very, very naive because, and this is one of the sacrifices of being in the military. You know, you live uh, far-flung places, on base sometimes, uh, very, very regimented lifestyle, and, you know, the whole world can pass you by. And you just don't, they just don't have the political savvy and sophistication that I think they're, uh, that, that he should have had for that job. And you go from being a base commander as a colonel to being a four-star general in not that long a time. It only takes a few years. And quite frankly, intellectually, some of these guys never catch up. And one of them is John Kelly. And for him to be doing this, you know who he hangs out with, John Kelly? Scaramucci, the mooch, the mooch. That guy's had a major identity crisis. I've met the mooch a couple of times. I like him. He's very sharp, uh, fun guy, interesting. I haven't talked to him since this whole, uh, well, I haven't talked to him in a long time, I guess, since he went down there to be the communications director and blew himself up after about six minutes on the job. Now, it was very unfair what happened to him. The reporter screwed him over totally, and you read a transcript. It sounded like Scaramucci was out of his head. Um, but he really wasn't that bad in the transcript. And he, he said some things to a reporter. They, it wasn't that bad, but the reporter wrote him up into a transcript, and it looked like he was the craziest man in the universe. All that to say, John Kelly, I'm very disappointed in you. Uh, this is bad for you. This is bad for the Marine Corps. This is bad for uh, generals. And maybe it's another wake-up call for the Marine Corps. I don't know what's going on there. But we've had a, we've got a real basket case in charge of the Marine Corps right now. I know this is not of much interest to a lot of you. I'm sorry about that, but it breaks my heart that the Marine Corps is being broken apart by a guy named Dave Berger, four-star general, lunatic. He gave away all the tanks. No more tanks for the Marine Corps. What? Who the hell voted on that? He did all this crazy stuff during COVID. Oh, by the way, it was a way. It was a time where you could strike. And nobody was really looking, and there weren't congressional hearings that should have been taking place, and it was a disaster. And, um, well, it's just one of many people. And the one thing that I would like Trump to do, he's got to focus on this, and, excuse me, there's research to back this up. If you criticize somebody to their face in front of other people, biologically something, biologically and psychologically, something, a switch is thrown, and you will lose that person forever. I learned this in the Marine Corps. You praise in public and you chide in private. And you have to take people behind closed doors. Now, I, I've never seen Trump do this. I've heard that there might be a tendency. Look, no leader is perfect. And Trump is a great leader in so many ways. But there are some things he's got to work on, and I think that's one of them. And it, it would make no difference to us. We will not see the difference. But behind closed doors, I think it's important for him to, if he's going to chew somebody out, you got to chew them out one-on-one. You can't do it in front of people because you will lose them forever. They will lose face. You will embarrass them. You will humiliate them. And they will never, ever, 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 ever forgive you for it. No matter how good your policies are, no matter how great a guy you are, great a president, you will lose them forever. So it's something to keep in mind. Uh, all righty. Barbara, welcome back. Hi. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, you got a note here. It's flag day, right? Flag day. What does that mean? Yes, I agree with Christine that it's such an important day. In, on June 14, 1777, the Continental Congress made the Stars and Stripes the official symbol of America. And George Washington spoke about our flag. And he said, we take the stars from heaven, the red from our mother country, 
separating it by white stripes, thus showing we have separated from her. And the white stripe shall go down to posterity, representing our liberty. That's beautiful. George Washington said all that stuff? It's attributed to George Washington, yes. Wow. He said all that. He said all that and I'm sure he said more. But, you know, watching uh, our President Trump yesterday speak after the horrific day that he went through, I, I mean, I just felt like I was watching a, a true represent, representative of George Washington and all of our patriots speaking strongly, not even so much about the, the persecution he's going through, but about the rights and the liberties of our nation that must be preserved. And, and I have a, a quote from Elie Wiesel who talked about that. He said, we must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. So none of us, even Paul Ryan, none of us may sit on the sidelines. We must here take sides. We must take sides for our liberty. We have no right to lose those liberties that were hard won for us and that were our inheritance, and that are your children and your grandchildren's inheritance. We love it, Barbara. Hey, did Ellie Wiesel say that stuff out loud? It's written down, yes. I mean, did he ever say yeah. it in his speech that I can show on TV? Oh, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. I can look for Would you it mind? You Would you mind? You're the best. You are the best. I mean, those are very important words. And you remind me of the weasel Paul Ryan. Here he is. Cut 19. Cut 19. Go look at one of these other great conservatives that are yeah. in the race who don't have all this baggage. All right. Is well, there a front? I think if we nominate anybody not named Donald Trump, we're going to beat Joe Biden. All He's right. got a great core of support. They'll keep it up. In, 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 in a primary, that is what you build off of. And so it does matter. But my point is, I think the electability argument is going to become more salient with, with this indictment and whatever happens in the future. All the exhaustion of all the Trump baggage is going to make it easier now, I think, to make the argument to his core supporters He's not electable. He's going to cost us the Senate again. He's going to cost us more House seats. He'll cost us the White House. And we want to win. And we do want to win. Hey, you know what's uh, salient here, Paul Ryan? That you couldn't beat uh, Joe Biden in a talking contest. You sat down with Joe Biden at the debate and you got your ass kicked. And you're telling us about electability? That race was winnable. That race was winnable. 2012. And you guys blew it. Because of a loser like Mitt Romney, you want to you want to see you want to hear what a winner sounds like after he's been through all this crap. He doesn't retreat like you, Paul Ryan. He doubles down. That's America. Cut thirty-seven, please. Now that the seal, so important, is broken, the seal is broken by what they've done. They should never have done this. This was an unwritten rule. You just don't, unless it's really bad. But you just don't. But the seal is now broken. In addition to closing the border and removing all of the criminal elements that have illegally invaded our country, making America energy independent and even dominant again, and immediately ending the war between Russia and Ukraine, I'll have it ended in 24 hours. I will appoint a real special prosecutor. To go after the most corrupt president in the history of the United States of America, Joe Biden, and the entire Biden crime family, name a special prosecutor. 
and all others involved with the destruction of our elections, our borders, and our country itself. They're destroying our country. And when I'm reelected and we will get reelected, we have no choice. We're not going to have a country anymore. I will totally obliterate the deep state. We will obliterate the deep state. And we know who they are. I know exactly who they are. They want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. It's very simple. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. They want you silenced. And I am the only one that can save this nation because you know they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. And I just happen to be standing in their way and I will never be moving. On November 5th, 2024, justice will be done. We will take back our country and we will make America great again. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you, President Trump. Thank you, President Trump. Or should I say President Washington? Barbara, I see what you mean about the Washington thing. Brilliant, brilliant uh, takeaway. And keep those quotes coming. Everything else good? Everything is good. But again, I hear that. I hear President Trump speaking and it brings tears to my eyes because it takes me back to John Adams because President Trump and Melania must have had the same kind of conversations over these years that John Adams and his wife had where they knew they were risking everything. And still John Adams went ahead defended those British uh, soldiers who had killed the, the colonists, defended them. Why? For our liberty, for our country, that our country might persevere and that our liberties might be and might be in, increased and come to be what they are now with the founding of our nation. All right. So, They're good people. The Adams is absolutely yeah. good people. And uh, I can't say we miss them. We never really met them. But you know what I mean. And uh, I got to read that John Adams book by the late great David McCullough. That guy wrote a great book. He was a great author until the later stages. The Wright Brothers book was a bit of a bust, but the Wright Brothers were fantastic. All right, Barbara, thank you so much, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I told you guys Eric Adams couldn't do anything, could not do anything, knows nothing, can do nothing, is nothing. Uh, even this, the New York Post is probably going to regret its endorsement of this low life from New Jersey, by the way. As they report, the storm clouds over Mayor Eric Adams's young administration, not so young anymore, a tsunami of migrant arrivals, yawning deficits, and an ever-worsening housing crisis grew darker this week following the stunning rec- re- resignation of history-making police commissioner Key Chan Sewell. Why are they so stunned? Oh, by the way, I was talking about this months ago. The word was actually at one point that she wasn't even going to make it a year. Uh, this is not a surprise. I, I question how keenly, uh, what kind of a, observation qualities does the New York Post have these days? Everybody saw this coming. Everybody. Now, what the hell did she expect, by the way? All right. What the hell did she expect? She wasn't a big city police chief. She had no experience running a city this big, a police department this big, nothing. So she signed up for it. It was a virtue signal hire. He said he wanted a woman, and then he went even better. It was a black woman, which, oh, by the way, I think is demeaning to uh, 
to everybody, to police, to everybody, to no matter what your gender, race, never say that you're going to hire a certain gender, a certain race. What does that mean? Why would you? And uh, anyway, this thing was a disaster. So what did she do? She sucked up, uh, you know, to the unions, and you got to do some of that. But I think she went a little bit over the top. She had nothing else to do. You know, how many ceremonies can you go to? How many parades can you go to? It's a big administrative job, and she did not have the chops for it. Rumor is she might they might give her a job in the Biden administration. Maybe she'll go back to Nassau County, where, oh, by the way, she lives. Yeah, the police commissioner lives in Nassau County. Now, why, why do I resent that? I, I actually do resent that. I remember when my dad became the first deputy police commissioner. Guess what? He had to move back into the city. It was disruptive to the family. Yeah, I was still in school. It was a big hassle. And uh, he had to move my mom and dad to, into the city. Guess who had to take care of the house? Me and my brother. Guess what happened? <laughs> uh, the house uh, wasn't neat as a pin. All right. Uh, there was some uh, entropy in the house, a little bit of chaos. And uh, anyway, very disruptive. But the law was that the commissioners had to live in New York City. And he abided by the law. No one's going to check even. No one cares anymore. Eh, whatever. Big profile in the New York Times comes out about the new police commissioner as is appropriate. And I'm reading that the day she becomes police commissioner. And you know what they don't say? Where the hell she lives. They don't say where the hell she went to school. They don't say, is she married or not married? Now, none of those things make a difference. But when you're profiling somebody, when you meet somebody, these are the kind of questions you want to know. It's, it's like small talk, but you put, you know, you put a little small talk in the in the article. It, it, it to build, and then and then here's the really just totally insane moment we're in right now. The white reporters, because there were three white female reporters who wrote that story felt uncomfortable asking her things like, where did you go to college? Because guess what? That would speak of white privilege. Yeah, that's a thing now, right? And uh, marital status, would that be somehow, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if she's married, unmarried, straight, gay. It doesn't matter. But it's it's interesting, right? Wouldn't you just like you, you meet somebody at a party? Oh, how are you? You're married, wife, kids? What, what's going on with you? But in this d- deluded, crazy world we're in right now, and uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, you can't even ask her about the, the threat posed to uh, cisgender children by, well, transgender children in the bathroom. She said that's a triggering question and should not be asked, and you must be careful. Hey, Steve Scalise is playing baseball tonight at the uh, congressional baseball game. He's lucky to be alive. It was about, what was it, six years ago when uh, that gunman showed up at the ball field, blasted everybody, including him. He almost died. You don't hear about that case too much because the gunman was, guess what, a crazy liberal nut job. I don't blame AOC for that. I don't blame Joe Biden for that. I don't blame Barack Obama for that. I don't think they're responsible. There are nut jobs all over the place, and they, they identify with all kinds of things. It's funny that they try to blame Trump for violence when the person might have a conservative bent or whatever. I don't, it's not fair to blame Trump. It's also not fair to 
blame Bernie Sanders when the guy's from the left. It's totally insane. All right, I got to go in a moment to the Newsmax show. Real quick, Joel in Manhattan. Hi. Hi. Hey, it's uh, just wanted to comment on um, speaking about Trump as being colorblind or whatever. What I see with Trump is this, is that he doesn't see people in colors. He only sees them in one element, green, which is actually an empowering thing. And I'm not talking about the green agenda that Democrats are peddling, the far left. I'm talking about putting green in people's pockets and making a difference in that respect. He's a sharp businessman and he knows what needs to be done. So that's my take on on President Trump and his relationship to different uh, colors. So he sees somebody and he assesses their economic uh, potential, viability, develop that, but also like he's looking out for their best interests so that more green can be in their pocket, so to speak. In that respect. Hey, I like it, Joel. I do. I think he sees a lot of potential and he wants to kind of, Somebody else told me something about this. He's always looking toward the future. It's always about what's next, what's next, what's next. And I like what you just said. There's something to that. Thank you, Joel, very much. Sal in Staten Island. Hey, brother American Marine. I just want to bring a quick thing. I do believe, and I'm not a conspiracist nut, Greg. I do believe the powers that be, Biden, Harris, I do believe they're trying to either kill Trump or incapacitate him with a stroke. 77, he's much stronger and fit than Biden. But Greg, on his 77th, even the 77th birthday, back and forth between New Jersey and Florida, the stress, the aggravation, I think they're either trying to kill him. Oh, come on. No, wait a second. You can't can't kill a guy by getting on an airplane. They're not going to kill him. He's unstoppable, Sal. Don't worry about it, although I do worry about it sometimes. Hey, I got five seconds. Chris, say something, please. Trump should do a commercial hearing to the Democrats and told them that they were told to hate him for putting the country first. Good idea. I'll see you tonight.